Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. Bowl season kicks into high gear with six Sunbelt Bowl games tomorrow. Texas State will wrap up bowl season the day after Christmas when they take on fellow Texas mate Rice. We're excited to talk about their matchup in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted to tell you about yesterday's episode. Caden and I discussed the upcoming Camellia Bowl featuring Arkansas State and 68 Venture Bowl featuring South Alabama. Plus, Arkansas State center Jacob Bayer stopped by to provide insight into his team's season and their preparations. If you missed it, you're going to want to go back and give it a listen. Today on episode 166 of the show, we're excited to talk about the last bowl game for the Sun Belt on our bowl season preview series. We're discussing the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl on today's show. We'll take an in-depth look at the matchup and discuss the must-know storylines ahead of the game. Plus, Texas State running back Ismail Mahdi will join us shortly to talk about the Bobcats matchup with Rice. Caden, we're witnessing Texas State history. Their seven wins this year is the program's best since 2014. They're playing in the school's first bowl game. Put into perspective the job that G.J. Kinney and company have done in terms of turning around a program that's not had much success in recent years. Yeah, the turnaround's unprecedented, though. I mean, you look at this team, you look at the West standings to end this season, it's Troy and then it's Texas State right behind them. You talk about the amount of six and six squads in this conference as a whole. This is a team that pushed the envelope, got to seven and five and did so when it looked like it was definitely out of the cards heading into this season. G.J. Kenny called his shot. He did his work this offseason when it comes to recruiting. He put his money where his mouth is and he put a really, really good football team out on the field that was nationally ranked, ranked, ranked very highly on offense, especially when you look at their production this year. So just an amazing year for Coach Kinney, loving that their team is going to be able to celebrate it in a bowl game and hopefully be able to celebrate it with a bowl win in their home state of Texas against the in-state Texas team. Texas State looking to take back Texas. We're excited to get into this episode. Well, like we promised, Texas State's Ismail Mahdi is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from one of the most electric players in the Sun Belt. Well, we are really excited to be joined by Texas State running back Ismail Mahdi on the Freire and Smith podcast. Ish, you've been one of our favorite players to watch this year. Thanks for making time to come on. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me. Well, let's jump right in here. And obviously, Texas is your home state, but you were born in Kenya. You're one of eight children. How old were you when you moved to America? What was that journey like? And what does it mean to represent not only your country, but uh, United States on the field? Yeah, I was um, I was eight months when I when I when I came over here. So we, we came here in 2000, 2003. I was born in 2003. So I was I was eight months when I came here. And um, it was it was a, it was a cool journey. We learned a lot. My parents my parents sacrificed a lot. I seen them sacrifice a lot. A lot. That's why you know uh, I, I stay motivated and I stay humble because of the things they done. They show me the, the hard way and stuff like that. And um, it means a lot just to to um, to um, show that a, a young a kid from Kenya didn't didn't have too much um, resources, didn't have too much opportunity to to make a way and to show show a lot of kids that you know you got you, you can make a way regardless of where you come from and stuff like that. So. Well, you've definitely been putting on this year-ish. Great to have you on the podcast. You spent one season at Houston Christian before transferring to Texas State last offseason ahead of this breakout season you just had. Could you maybe tell us about your high school recruiting journey and even your most recent transfer portal recruiting journey, which led to you playing at Coach Ki- for Coach Kinney at Texas State this year? 
Yeah, coming out of high school, you know, I put up the same. I put up crazy numbers in high school as well, too. But um, it's just, I guess, it was just recruiting time. The time of the recruiting era was just wasn't good for me, for me, or just for the kids or, or around that time. We didn't, I didn't get highly recruited and stuff like that. And I guess it falls on because we didn't really, we didn't really or win too many ball games as well, too. You know, I put up crazy stats, but we didn't win too many ball games and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, and then um, coming out of um, Houston Christian, so Houston Christian was, was my only. Them and Texas A&M Commerce were Houston Christian and Texas A&M Commerce were my two only offers, and I went with ACU, and you know I, I took the chances and went with ACU, and um, I had a good season there. And then after that, I, um, my whole coaching staff got fired. That's the reason I left ACU is because the whole coaching staff got fired and, and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm just gonna take my chances and enter the portal. And um, I had a few offers, and Texas State wasn't my best offer. I wanted to stay in Texas, close to home with my, with my family and stuff like that. And and it, it just fit because I watched, um, I played GJ um, in, in Leftwich and them and. and at, they were in, we're in the same conference, Southland Conference, with them, and they put 70, 70, it was 70 0 at halftime, and just seeing their offense and stuff, that, that played a big part of me coming to um, Houston Christian, I mean, to coming to um, Texas State. What were the, uh, what was your initial take when you met GJ Kinney? He said, hey, we'd love to have you here. Just what, what was your first take on Coach Kinney and this staff in person? Yeah, they were, they're, they're, they're young, energetic. They, they showed, uh, they showed a lot of energy and stuff like that. And, uh, just, just a cool coach. You know, he walked in, he walked in with Jordans on, with Jordan 11. You don't see that too many times walking in with Jordans, his hat on and just showed that swagger. So that's, that's one I, w- I wanted to be around. So I still remember Sunbelt Media Day. He walked into Lil Baby and, and we all knew this was yeah. going to be a, a fun year at this point, but yeah, exactly. Ish, this has been a banner year for this Texas State program. A first ever bowl game, plus numerous records have been set for this program. What were the ingredients and the keys to this team's success this season? Oh, just believing in the coaches, what what the coaches have to say, and just buying into the program and stuff like that. Because you know we had we had um, we had a whole lot of tra- transfers come in. We had I think like 42, 53 transfers come in, and we had to learn how to trust each other and just build build that camaraderie and build that team chemistry. Um, just buying into the program, buying into the program, buying into what the coaches have to say, and 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 just um, just doing our job, executing at, at a high level. So. And Ish, you were obviously one of the key ingredients to this team's success this year. And you could see that through your individual honors. You got your first team all Sun Belt as well as first and second team All-American honors as an all-purpose player. Given your success this year and the journey you just described, coming from Kenya, being under-recruited at high school, now receiving this national recognition individually, what does that mean to you? It just means a lot. It just shows me that, you know what I'm saying, anything could be done. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't be afraid to be great. You know, so that's something that my dad preached to me. And it just shows me that uh, I could do anything if I put my mind to it. You know, it's, the, the, the ceiling is high. You got you to keep going. You got to keep reaching it. So it just, it, just, that just, it just motivated me a lot more, you know, just showing me that the doors are opening for me and, that, and I'm doing everything that I need to do. And I just got to keep going up from here. So. Just some of the honors that you've picked up here in the postseason, does that come as a surprise to you? Or, or did you feel like you were destined to have a great season when you stepped on the field to begin this year? Yes, sir. I was. I, I felt like I had. I was destined to be a – I just needed an opportunity, and I, and I got that opportunity. You know, this is something that I worked I work for all, all offseason, um, all spring, all fall camp, all that. You know what I'm saying? I just needed an opportunity, and, and I took it, and I just show, showcased my talent on the national stage. So. We'll certainly love to see good, uh, you know, good things happen to good people. Ish, you were, you know, one of the most versatile players in the Sun Belt this year, and arguably even in the nation. 
You get it done in the run game, the pass game, the return game. What went into making Ishmael Mahdi the Swiss Army knife that he is today? Um, just just the type of player I am, the, the type of way, the 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 way that I, I I run the football, the way that I could be used in in different styles, kickoff return, uh, catching the ball at the backfield, and it's just some that my coaches preach as well. They see me as is being that guy, that that being that guy, and the way the way I just the way I carry myself on the field and stuff like that. So that played a big part on it. Well, it's you're not the only weapon on this offense. It all starts with your two quarterbacks you have. You have wideouts like Joey Hobart, Cole Wilson, Ashton Hawkins, even your backup Davenport. I really ha- like what I saw mm-hmm. from this season coming out the backfield as well. Could you maybe talk about how this offensive scheme kind of combined with the talent y'all had make y'all so hard to stop this season for defenses? Yeah, we, we like you said, we have a lot of good players. Um, it just the way the coaches put us on the field and put us uh, um, in ways to the, the way the ways that we could uh, reach our potential and stuff like that. So the great the coaches have a good a good understanding of the type of players we are and the type of players they got on their roster, and they they put us in positions to where we could you, you could use our talents and our full potentials at, at the highest the highest level we can. So the coaches do a really good job of just using us and rotating us and using all their players. So props to those coaches. Now, Ish, talk a little bit about your team's defense this year. I mean, they get off to a really strong start. They, they've made things really challenging on opposing offenses. Just talk about what you've seen from that defense, practicing against them. Uh, how challenging has that been this year? Yeah, our defense, they're a hell of a defense, man. That defense, they get out there, they fly to the ball. We play a lot of man coverage, and we send a lot of pressure, um, especially at practice, you know, uh, picking up the blitzes. We pick up a lot of blitzes at practice, and and that's something, I, you know what I'm saying, I, I take I take pride on and trying to get better at it, and they, they, push me, they push me a lot. So our defense, they're, they're all over the place, and they play fast, they play hard. We got a lot of dogs on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Ish, we know you're focused on this bowl game coming up, but I couldn't help but notice when looking at your Twitter, your header is actually a picture of the NFL draft. We know you're not draft eligible just yet, but you definitely boosted your stock this year, that's for sure. Could you maybe tell us about your future goals and motivations to make it to the next level and kind of what the inspiration was behind that Twitter header? Yeah, um, there's just some that you know. So I dreamed of, dreamed of since I was a little kid is, is watching um, players get drafted and stuff like that. Just to walk across that stage, walk across that stage is gonna be a dream come true. You know, that's something that I, like I said, I dreamed of since I was a little kid. So um, it's just that's why I put it on my Twitter plays just to show that every time I go on Twitter, every time I look on Twitter, just to remind me. You know, that's that's the place you want to be at. That's why you're doing. That's why you're doing what you do. You know, a lot of kids worry about NLI money and stuff like that and worry about now. But I always remind myself, you know, the, the goal the goal to do this is go into the league and go to the NFL. So that's why that's why I put that up there. Ish, we're going to end with this. Everyone saw the iconic river jump after this team secured bowl eligibility. Tell us about that experience, kind of the excitement now that you guys are participating in this first responder bowl in your home state versus another team from Texas in Rice. Yeah, um, jumping in the river that was that was a pretty cool experience. The water was cold, but it was worth it. You know, in, in, in that type of when you when you win a, when you go into the first bowl game, you you got to do that. So it's just part of it. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to play another Texas team. Just to like our motto, take back Texas. That was pretty cool to play another Texas team and to play in my hometown. And, you know, I'm I'm from Dallas, and I grew up I grew up 25 minutes away from the SMU stadium. So to have all my co- uh, middle school coaches, my high school coaches, and all those guys, my friends and family come over. It's going to be exciting to play play in Dallas. So I'm excited, very excited. Well, certainly love to see all of this come full circle. But Ish, really have appreciated your time here today. We uh, have enjoyed, as I said, watching you play this year and certainly wish you and your teammates best of luck as you guys play uh, in this First Responders Bowl coming up. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me.
Kane, that one was a lot of fun. It was interesting hearing Ish's background and just his upbringing coming from Kenya at a young age, playing high school football. And Kane, my biggest takeaway is there were some schools that clearly missed on Ismail Mahdi coming out of high school. Yeah, no, this is obviously a guy we've been a fan of this whole season. I think us and the listeners are probably even more of a fan now listening to his story from him coming over to Kenya, being an under-recruited, undervalued high school prospect, despite him saying he had that same production that we saw at Texas State. Somehow a diamond in the rough makes it to Texas State and was able to truly shine this season as one of the most, if not the most versatile players in college football. It's crazy that he has another year ahead of him before he'll be draft eligible. He's done so much damage in this conference in just one season. And I think there's definitely a lot of high school coaches, college coaches in the state of Texas that are just shaking their heads when they're looking at the season this guy was able to have. And that the GJ Kinney, of all people, was able to show up and Sam Marcus swoop this guy up and have him be able to put together one of the most impressive seasons, I think, regardless of any position that we've seen in Texas state history. Hey, there's no denying that Ismail Mahdi will be on the short list for Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year if he's still in the league uh, next season. Well, let's talk about this Serve Pro First Responder Bowl that, that he came on to help us preview, Kate, in Texas State coming in 7-5. and five. They're going to face a Rice team that went 6-6 six and six in the American Athletic Conference this year. This game played at Gerald R. Ford Stadium, the home of SMU in Dallas, Texas, on December 26th. 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Central on ESPN. Here's a couple notes about the game. Texas State playing in their first bowl game in program history, as you probably heard. This is the most wins for them since the 2014 season. And, Caden, they came into the season talking about taking back Texas. They can finish with a 2-1 and record against teams from the state of Texas with a win. They had the win over Baylor in the opener, had a tight loss to UTSA. Fifth all-time matchup against Rice, Caden. And what's interesting, these campuses only separated by 165 miles, but this will actually be the first matchup since 1987 between these two programs. Caden, I said it earlier, this has been a historic season for Texas State. G.J. Kinney was hired 386 days ago as of the airing of this episode. Since then, as you mentioned, he has reshaped this roster. He led the team to an upset over Baylor. They've put up huge offensive numbers. They've secured the program's first bowl appearance. Caden, G.J. Kinney and staff have very quickly raised Texas State stature, not only in the state of Texas, but nationally, too. Yeah, as soon as they were able to, in week one, get that upset win over Baylor, I feel like you and me kind of had that gut feeling that, okay, what we heard this offseason, what we were hearing about, was not going to be something that was was just a myth. It was something we'd see on display for us the entire year of the conference. It wasn't just a flash of the pan. And we saw that this year. I mean, when you look at what Coach Kinney was able to do in the offseason with the massive amount of transfer portal turnover and player turnover, bringing over 30 guys onto his roster, those guys being able to have fantastic seasons from the quarterback position all the way down to offensive and defensive linemen definitely makes this team even scarier, I think, heading into the next season. You talk about the national recognition that this team now has, and I think what might be more important than that is the recruiting net recognition they're going to have specifically in the state of Texas. When you think about the nature of the traditional portal, the fact that Coach Kinney was able to bring in so many productive players in his first offseason without any evidence of being or semblance of evidence as far as what his offense specifically was going to be able to do, and now you end the season as the league's top scoring offense, the top rushing offense in the entire league you light up the scoreboard through the air constantly 
Now the transfer portal is only going to get even more interesting for this guy and this team as far as being able to acquire talent. This is a kind of offense that receivers, quarterbacks, running backs that are going to want to be a part of, whether it's the high school recruiting or the transfer portal. So I think as much as we can applaud and give the flowers that this team deserves and this coaching staff deserves for what they were able to do this season, this could just be the beginning of what this team is going to be capable of moving forward in the Sun Belt as the lone team in Texas and kind of having a lock on this market perhaps going forward. Yeah, okay. Now I will be interested to see the evolution of the recruiting for this Texas State program. He obviously had to turn over a roster when he got there. He utilized the transfer portal very heavily, but they've also been working a ton at recruiting high school players out of the state of Texas. We all know how talent-rich that is. It'll be interesting to see the mix as we move forward for this program. Kaden, given everything you just said and we've talked about at length this season, pull out your crystal ball. This is a Texas State program that has shown they can play with the best teams in the Sun Belt this year. When you look at this program, what do they need to do to take that next step into that select group of Sun Belt elites, the Troys, the James Madisons, the App States, maybe even the Louisianas? Yeah, no, I think this team's definitely ahead of schedule from a program standpoint. So as far as what they need to improve upon, it's really going to be the difference between them being a good team and a great team. This is a team that we didn't really have expectations of being good this year. And all of a sudden they ended up being extremely good. And now the difference between good and great for all the teams that you mentioned versus the Texas States and the other teams that have found themselves in the middle of the pack of this conference does come down to consistency. When we talk about the production on offense from this team, they've been able to do that all year. But then when you look at their losses, you see this team kind of disappear for quarters at the time, half at a time. And that's when you saw some of those losses come up for them. You think about the Louisiana game when they weren't able to close out that matchup and let Louisiana come back from behind and win that game to end things. They had a great matchup against Troy, played them solid in the beginning of the game, but then give up 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter. And that's it for that matchup. Coastal Carolina, the two quarters, the second and the third quarter, they score zero points. Coastal Carolina scores 21 points. Even in the Southern Miss game that they were able to win, they let that team come back and crawl back and make that game a lot more interesting than it should have been to end things. So I think this offseason, this team is going to have a ton of talent coming back. They're going to have probably some new talent, and they're going to have their formula and recipe to success. It's going to be about perfecting that recipe, keep cooking it time after time after time in the offseason. And I know their coaches are going to be emphasizing that, hey, Last season was good, but if y'all want to be great, you're going to have to show that consistency we see from Troy and that we see from James Madison week in and week out being able to deliver your best quarter to quarter to quarter. So I think this team has obviously shown a ton of makings of what could be the next great team in this conference. It's going to be about how consistent can they do that? Can they do that for maybe even a couple more quarters would have been the difference between maybe this team getting eight, nine wins this year. And they'll know that this offseason, they'll emphasize that offseason. I really look forward to seeing how they come next year, given that they don't really have that many things to check off their checklist as far as them being able to improve and them being able to be one of the conference's elite. Yeah, Caden, I think to your point, if they can perfect this recipe, I think that's a meal that a lot of Sunbelt teams are not going to enjoy eating. And Caden, I think it also a big element of this is uh, TJ Finley. Can you keep him around for another year? He has another year of eligibility. And we'll talk about the quarterback situation right here. TJ Finley, he has confirmed that he plans to play in this bowl game, but he has also said that he will announce after the season's end what his destination is. He talked about re-entering the transfer portal. That one seems a bit odd. It would be his fourth school in his collegiate career. He's talked about the NFL draft, and after the season that he's had, the body's clearly there. Is he an NFL prospect? And then he's talked about staying, which honestly might be the right choice for him right now to get another year of tape and success under his belt. But then you look at Rice, Kate, and they're going to rely on A.J. Padgett in this game, who stepped in for journeyman J.T. Daniels, who actually did play at four schools during his collegiate career after 
He sustained a career-ending injury a couple weeks ago. Kaden, let's talk TJ first. This was a guy that has always had elite gifts. He was at Auburn and LSU. We actually spoke to him earlier this season. That was episode 115, if you were curious. But he's found a home in San Marcos. He's welcomed twins into the world this year. He put up insane numbers, nearly 3,300 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, 24 through the air. Kane, what's impressed you with TJ Finley's season? Really, other than just the season itself, I mean, this is a guy who is getting his first opportunity to be a starter for an entire season and really be able to show what he's capable of. But I think when you look at his timeline and him coming into this season, I think the most impressive thing is how quickly he was able to pick up this offense. We talked to him about how he immediately dove into the playbook this summer, and we had Malik Hornsby as a guy that was extremely highly ranked in our transfer portal rankings coming into the season because he just looked like he was going to be the guy that was going to be the starting quarterback this year. They had TJ Finley late into the fold, and the fact that he was able to win the job and in the first week of the season really light things up and show that he had a great understanding and grasp of this offense, lighting up Baylor for three touchdowns in the air, one on the ground, and two. 298 yards through the air. I think the fact that he was able to just pick up this offense so fast, hit the ground running, and be just a consistent, reliable force for this team and the engine of this offense was huge. He was extremely efficient this year, the best QBR of his season passer rating with 156. And I think when you talk about his future, when you look at the season he had and the fact that he was able to learn the offense and be comfortable in the offense so quickly, just imagine what another season in this system would do, an entire offseason coming into another football season with higher expectations and being able to meet them with a greater understanding of this offense. I think for me personally, it'd be a no-brainer for him coming back this year. He has a lot of different options, just given his size, his ability, his acclaim as a high school recruit. Sure, there's plenty of opportunities for him across the nation through the transfer portal and even in the NFL draft, especially looking at this draft class where there is a lot of talent. He's one of those guys from a talent standpoint at six foot seven, 255 pounds that can bring a lot to the table that even some of the top quarterbacks couldn't bring. But I just can't think and stop fantasizing about the fact that this guy could come back to Texas State another season and maybe even take a greater leap than we saw this year. Yeah, Caden, I, I fantasize about that all the time as well. I mean, outside of a guy like Joey Aguilar, if TJ Finley comes back, he is arguably in that conversation for offensive player of the year, player of the year in this conference. He has been elite this season. He, he has said that he has found a home. And Caden, I think something that's underrated as well, he's playing for a coach in G.J. Kinney who has played in the NFL. And I think that that could be a huge part of his development. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how he makes that decision. Hey everyone, we're interrupting today's show to tell you about our recently released Prairie and Smith podcast newsletter. Subscribers will receive weekly emails when new episodes release, as well as information about the top Sunbelt football storylines that week. You can subscribe today using the link in the show notes of this episode or by clicking the link in our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter bios. It's the best way to keep up with the Sunbelt football and the Prairie and Smith podcast. Now let's get back to the rest of today's episode. Kate, meanwhile, we mentioned Rice has gone through a quarterback change. JT Daniels had to retire because of his injury history. He's actually going to get into coaching in the future. But AJ Padgett, a redshirt freshman, stepping in late in the year, six touchdowns over the final three weeks of the regular season. Just eight career games, though. And honestly, Kane, this is the biggest moment of Padgett's career playing in this bowl game. If you're a defense, what's your mindset going up against a young, relatively inexperienced quarterback? 
Yeah, people are probably expecting me to say play aggressive and, and and really take your chances and shots and just play with confidence knowing that you have an inexperienced quarterback here. But when you look at A.J. Pageant, this is actually the guy that we saw playing as the starting quarterback for Rice when they played Southern Miss last year in the Lending Tree Bowl. And he played fairly well in that game. He completed half of his passes. He had three touchdown passes in that game. But ultimately, we know that Frank Gore Jr. took over that game and Rice didn't stand a chance in that matchup. I think this is a guy who does have limited game experience. He's only played now. This will be, I believe, his... like eighth or ninth game of his career he's still a younger quarterback that's figuring things out but I think similar to what we saw last season in that bowl game this bowl prep gives no matter who the quarterback is no matter what the experience is a ton of opportunities to really define refine their game get dialed in on the game plan and really come into the game knowing what to expect so I would say for Texas State defenders in this one definitely don't underestimate this guy this guy threw for three touchdown passes against FAU in his last game he's gotten better and better as he's gotten more comfortable in the starting role and I expect him to play well in this game because he does have so much time to prep and practice and get more familiar with what this Bobcats defense is going to look like so I think it's a kind of finding that balance of taking calculated risks trying to show him as a defense some different coverages some different looks bluffing things before the snap and making things on a younger quarterback as hard as you can before the snap but once the ball is snapped this guy is going to be ready this guy is going to be having weeks and weeks of practice under his belt against this defense more so than any other team when you just play a quarterback on a weekly basis so I would be cautiously optimistic and opportunistic if I was this Texas State team for sure yeah I think those are some great points because I mean the Texas State offense has been really good this year but the defense has been a bit questionable at times so Maybe an opportunity here for A.J. Padgett to uh, to have a big game against Texas State here in the bowl game. Okay, let's talk about a matchup to watch in this one. And for me, with the offenses of both of these teams, and particularly the weapons that you have on these offensive units, I think the matchup to watch is these team secondaries versus the offensive weapons. I'm really excited for this game because you have a ton of elite wide receiver talent. You've got Guys for Texas State like Joey Hobart, who was a second-team all-sunbelt guy. You've got Cole Wilson. You've got Ashton Hawkins. That trio combining for 2,400 yards and 19 touchdowns this year. And then for Rice, the headliner, Luke McCaffrey. You've heard about his brother, who plays in the NFL, having an excellent year this year. He's the headliner. 12 touchdown grabs and almost 1,000 yards receiving this year. Kane, we're going to see 10 players in this matchup who have caught two or more touchdown grabs this season combined between the two programs, Texas State's passing defense hasn't been great this year. 257 yards per game allowed. Rice was one of the better passing defenses in the American this year. In your opinion, what are some keys for these defenses against these elite level wide receivers? Yeah, starting with Rice, the secondary in this game, their key is going to be to bring their track spikes and pray because when you look at the dudes that they have at Texas State that are running routes, getting open for TJ Finley and creating opportunities for this offense, it doesn't get much better in this conference when you look at the skill set of their three-headed monster when you talk about Joey Hobart, Ashton Hawkins, and Cole Wilson. These are not big guys. No one of that trio is above six feet tall. They can all fly, though. They can all catch the football, and they've all really got a great grasp and understanding for this offense. It all starts with Cole Wilson in that regard, in my opinion. This is a guy who comes in from Incarnate Word. We had high expectations for him this year just because we knew he'd have a different level of familiarity with this offense, and he showed that this year by matching Joey Hobart with eight touchdowns to end the regular season. Just a tremendous season from him, and kind of an underrated guy, I think, coming through the portal into the conference. Ashton Hawkins is the fastest of the bunch. I think he's the guy, one of the guys I want to guard the least in the entire conference when you look at that small slot receiver who can just get by you in a hurry and get by 
behind defenses in a hurry. And then Joey Hobart just leading the pack. I think a guy who started off as one of the more underrated receivers in the conference. But as the season went on, he kept his production up. And it was just hard to deny what he was able to do. He's a tough-nosed guy. He blocks. He doesn't wear gloves. He just gives defenses fits. He's the kind of receiver that reminds me of Thomas Hennigan for my playing days. And they all have a different level of speed and understanding for the game. So Rice is definitely going to have their hands full with these three. But I think on the flip side, when you look at Texas State facing up against this different kind of build as far as a, a Rice unit with their wide receiving core, Luke McCaffrey is their guy, and that's what their offense 100% runs through. I mean, he has 68 catches this year, nearly 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. There's no one even close to that. The next closest guy has three receptions, and their next leading receiver is Dean Connors, who is their starting running back. And their next leading receiver after that is their tight end. So I think when you look at them, they have a little bit more, less of their hands to be full, rather, if you're looking at Texas State and their secondary in this matchup. If they can really pinpoint and hone in on stopping Luke McCaffrey, I think it'll be huge for the entire complexity of this game. This offense runs through him. He's going to get his. He's going to have his catches. He's going to have his yards. But if you can make things as uncomfortable as you can as possible on a snap-to-snap basis for this guy, it's going to give this offense a little bit more headaches versus a Texas State team. You might be able to slow down one of these three guys, but you're not stopping all of them. You have Ismail Mahdi coming out of the backfield as well as a threat. So I think there's a lot more to be worried about if you're Rice. But for this Texas State team, I'm really excited to see if they can create a game plan defensively that can hone in on Luke McCaffrey and try to make some of these other guys beat them versus a Texas State squad who has plenty of guys who can definitely beat your defense up. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, maybe you try to, you know, quote unquote, contain McCaffrey in this matchup and force some of these other guys to beat you. And just to be quite frank, that has not happened much this season if you're Rice. Well, Caden, on each one of these episodes so far, we've named some X-Factor players. I know you've got an offensive player in mind for this matchup. Yeah, it's an obvious pick, but I have to go with Ishmael Mahdi in this one. And after talking to him in this interview and knowing that he is going to be playing in front of his hometown crowd, he's going to have middle school coaches, high school coaches, probably his whole family, all seven of his siblings at this game. This is a guy who was balling out all year without that kind of attention and pressure and expectations heading into games. And I just expect big things with him in this game, playing in front of his home crowd and his home team and his home family. So I think when you look at him this season, getting over a thousand yards rushing, like you mentioned, 10 touchdowns through the ground. 276 yards receiving a touchdown there and just his ability as a return specialist taking one to the house having over 500 yards of kickoff return yardage in in the entire season this is going to be a classic Ishmael Mahdi game in my opinion I think he's going to get it done all different ways and I'm calling my shot now he gets in the end zone twice and he has over 150 all-purpose yards in this matchup big expectations for Mahdi in front of his hometown in this bowl game Hey, Caden, you've said it before. When you get to these bowl games, uh, you know, bartering of tickets starts to take place. I'm sure Maudie has been uh, working it for a little bit here, trying to pick up a bigger ticket allotment for some of his family. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a great pick. I think he is due for another big game on, on one of the biggest stages. Caden, for me defensively, I'm going with Ben Bell. He was a second team all Sunbelt guy this year. GJ Kinney actually called his shot to us during the preseason and said, that much like Ben Bell's brother Levi, that he was going to have a big year and be a breakout guy this year. He's been that. Second in TFLs to Holloway on this defense, had 13 in the regular season, led the team in sacks. Caden, this was a Rice team that was middle of the pack in sacks allowed this year. I think if Ben Bell can get free, he can really tee off on a young A.J. Pageant here. He's averaging a sack per game in his last five games. Look for him to have a big impact uh, on this game defensively, Caden. Definitely a great call. DJ, GJ Kenny definitely called his shot with this with this one. This was a guy that had five sacks 
in their spring game and you're thinking, oh, okay, it's a spring game. Maybe that's just a flash in the pan. His brother had obviously a great season before that at Texas State, but he passed the legacy right down to his brother. His brother picked up right where he left off, and he's definitely a guy who brings a lot of energy and intensity as well to this defense, no matter how he plays. And you see that it's contagious and you see that it's infectious to the guys around him. So definitely a great call with that one as well, Noah. Well, it will be an exciting final game of bowl season in the Sun Belt, the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl between Texas State and Rice at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 p.m. Central on December 26th on ESPN. Make sure you tune in. Well, that's going to do it for our Serve Pro First Responder Bowl preview. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Texas State's Ismail Mahdi for joining us as well as to Associate AD Chris Coots for helping make today's conversation possible. We hope you enjoyed our bowl season preview series. Before you go, here's one final note. The Frary and Smith podcast, we're going to be taking a well-deserved break after a long season. We'll be returning on January 8th to break down the Sunbelt East Division bowl results. And then we'll dissect how the Sunbelt West performed in bowl season on January 10th. You're going to want to mark those on your calendar. That'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave us a Christmas gift. Drop us a five-star rating on the way out. Otherwise, we hope you and your families have a happy holiday season. We'll talk to you in the new year. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. Thanks for spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again in 2024.